Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. to do a study of Paul's prayers, you would notice something, a pattern emerge. Paul regularly prayed for the churches that he started. He prayed for the people that God put before him, the people that God gave him as his disciples. Paul always prayed, and most of his letters have the prayers at the beginning of the letter, sometimes at the end. But you notice in the prayer we just heard how he prayed for these people every time he prayed. He prayed with a heart full of joy for them. He had such affection for them. He says he missed them dearly. And when you look at Paul's prayer, when you look at the content of it, the main point of Paul's prayer shows the heart that he had for his people. Every time you read Paul, you see that he has one goal, one goal. And that is to bring the people who God brought to him to the fullness of Christ. When you look at some of the other letters, in Galatians, for example, right in the first chapter, Paul says, I labor with all the strength that God gives me to bring you into maturity, that I may present you a mature in Christ. That's what he wants to do. Later in the letter, in chapter 4, he says, My children, I am again suffering and suffering labor pains for you, that you will be until Christ is fully formed in you. That's his heart. In Ephesians, we see Paul writing that he gets down on his knees with a deep desire that we would experience, that we would understand, that we would grasp the love that God has for us through Jesus Christ. In that letter, it's, he constantly talks about in Jesus, in Jesus, in Jesus. He wants us to be fully all that God calls us to be. And in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, he prays that you all grow into maturity to the stature, the full stature measured by Jesus Christ. God God gave Paul a conviction in his heart as a pastor for his people that they would grow into the likeness of Jesus. He saw nothing else more important than that. And every time he wrote, every time he prayed, that's what he sought, even while he was in prison. This letter was written by Paul um, to the church in Philippi. And he wrote this letter, he penned it while he was in prison and away from them. But it starts out saying, every time I think of you, every time I remember you, I have a great sense of joy. So let me give you some context about how Paul started this church. Because he and Silas came to Philippi. This is, uh, would have been the very first time that Paul entered into Europe. And on his second trip, missionary trip, he goes to the very first place in Greece and he meets a woman named Lydia. Now, today in that city, there's a church uh, commemorating the fact that this was the first church in Europe started by Paul. He met this woman, Lydia, um, and not, not a guy, not some men, a, a prestigious men in the city, but a woman. And this woman, we're told in Acts chapter 16, so if you have your Bible, you can go there and follow along as I show you how the church was birthed in Europe how the church was created by Jesus to look so different than any other community that we have. 
It begins with a group of people that are the most unlikely to be together. This woman, Lydia, we're told, was a woman who sold purple cloth. Now, in the time of that this happened, purple cloth was highly desired. It was very expensive to produce. And the dye that they produced at that time, still today, is considered a beautiful, unique color. And it was considered, uh, for those who were of royalty or of high position, a color of power and prestige. Because it was so expensive to build, to make, um, Lydia would have been dealing with the wealthiest, the most powerful, the elite, the royals. Her cloths would have been sold not only in Greece, but throughout Rome as well. She was a traveled woman, a businesswoman, a very successful woman. In fact, if she were here in Newport Beach, you would have seen her on the front cover of OC Business Journal, right? She would have been the, uh, the talk of the town. This woman has reached the highest level, the highest pinnacle of success. And she would have had friends in all kinds of circles, right? Her friends were also powerful people. And when Paul and Silas come to her and share the good news, it says in Scripture that she was a God-fearing woman. She was already receptive to receiving the gospel. She receives it, and then we're told that she shared it with her servants, and they all became believers. They became baptized, hence the first church in Greece. And to this church, you would think Lydia not only invited her servants, but she invited all of her friends of high power and prestige, all the fellow YPOs, you know, all the fellow business owners, all the royalty people, the, the movie stars, all the special people came to her church. But that's not the case as we read Acts chapter 16. We find out that God's first community looks quite different than the kind of community we create ourselves. Because right after this story, we see the next thing that happens, and that is that Paul and Silas meet this woman who is possessed by a spirit. And she has the power to look ahead in the future through this spirit. And some people owned her as a slave, and they used her as a, um, a spiritual person that people would come to foretell the future. They were making all kinds of money on her. So from Lydia, who is a very wealthy, powerful businesswoman, to this woman who it's not even named in Acts chapter 16. She's a slave. She's a woman possessed by a spirit. Paul comes by this woman, and now we hear the story of how she starts proclaiming that Paul is a man who comes from God, and probably the way that she was doing was annoying Paul, which is quite interesting, right? Because she was stating the truth, but Paul obviously knew this was not coming from God. And so he spells out this uh, spirit from her, and she can no longer predict the future. Once the spirit leaves her, she no longer can prophesy. And now the people that own her are a bit upset. They're like, wait a second, this is how we were making our living. And so now they get upset with Paul, and they bring them to the authorities, and both Paul and Silas are thrown into prison. They're flogged, they're beaten, and they're thrown into prison. And now we meet another character in this early church. Because when they're put into prison, a guard is set to make sure they stay in prison. And while they're in prison, where it's pitch dark in the middle of the night, an earthquake breaks out. And this earthquake causes the doors of the jail to break open and the chains that were in the slaves to break. And the guard becomes immediately afraid because he was going to fail at his job. He could not protect these guys from running. And he takes out his sword and he decides he's going to take his own life. And Paul, 
in the midst of that says, don't harm yourself, we're still here. And then we read on as Paul takes these men and he tells, tells this guard about uh, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we read on as this man shares that with his family and he becomes a believer, he becomes part of this church. So this very first church, the, the church that Paul is praying about and remembering is made up of a very wealthy woman, a slave woman, a woman perhaps that had all kinds of problems, and a man, a guard, that spent all of his time inside a jail system, probably not having a whole lot of friends, right? Because he was probably a police officer of some sort. And that's the people God puts together into the first church. Add to that Paul and Silas, who were Jewish men. So you've got Gentiles and Jews together. You have wealthy people, you have poor people. You have people of all kinds of social backgrounds. That's the community that Christ puts together. And we're in this series calling Becoming You. And we started last week talking about how to become all that God called us to be, we have to become like Jesus. Why? Because it is in Jesus that we see the fullness of humanity, right? The most beautiful part of humanity. What we were created to be, kinder, gentler, more patient, generous, compassionate, right? Yes, and even powerful, even doing amazing things. And so all of us, in order to become all that we were created to be, we are to become like Jesus. That's what God says to us. And last week we talked about how we must behold him, look upon him so we may understand who he is, that we might become like him. And, and we use this picture of a sunflower. As a sunflower seeks to the sun to grow, we seek the sun, the son of God, to grow in our likeness of him. But here's what Paul's going to tell us today. We cannot do that alone. We are set in place in community to do so. And this community that God creates for us is an unlikely community. This first church that Paul talks about is pretty much a beautiful picture of the kind of community that God wants us to grow into the likeness of Jesus, which I know probably for Lydia and for the woman, the little slave, or for the guy in the, the guard, he's saying, Wait, can, can I just have my peeps, you know, the people I'm pretty comfortable with? We share a lot in common. We, can, we know what to talk about. But God says, no, I'm going to put all these different people together, people of every background, of every race, every prior religious beliefs, people of different socioeconomic status, people who are young, people who are old, people who are handsome and beautiful, people not so much, people who are nice, some who are not so nice. All of these people, they're going to be put together into a community, and it is there that God wants to do this great work of making us more and more like his son. That community formed by God is what we're going to talk about today. And as we do so, I want to um, share with you a book that I absolutely love reading by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. If you've never read it, highly recommend it. It's called Life Together. And in this book, Dietrich goes through and essentially tells us what does it look like to live in a Christian community? What does it look like to be formed into the image of Christ through community? In fact, I want to quote a few things that Dietrich Bonhoeffer says. He says, our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done for both of us. The only reason some of us, 
as Christians would connect with one another, it's because of Jesus. I mean, take a minute for a second and look around the room, right? And, and no judgment on anyone, but let's face it. If we were going to pick our friends, right? Some of the people here, I don't know that I'd pick that person. I don't know anything about them. It's not like there's anything wrong with them. We just, I don't know. I just never connect with a person like that. So you, you, all of you came in here today, and if you're brand new, we're so glad you're here. But the reality is, look at us. We're just thrown in together by what? By one thing, what Jesus has done for us. That's what we have in common. You can travel to China. You can travel to Greece. You can go to Santa Ana. You can meet someone anywhere, Las Vegas, wherever. And if you connect through your faith, what do you have in common? Jesus. And church, the answer is always Jesus. So this is where you get to participate. So what do we have in common? Jesus, right? Bonhoeffer says that's what holds us and makes us a community, which I love because that's the kind of language that Paul uses. Obviously, Dietrich is pulling from Paul because when Paul says, you are all partners with me in grace, he's using a Greek word, koinonia, which has, stands for participation, communion, fellowship. Yes, partnership, community. And what Paul is saying is, the most important thing for us to do as believers is to share in this community, this partnership that God has created. God has put us together through Jesus Christ. And now we are a new thing, right? In fact, in Romans, Paul says that we are a new body. He says, we who are many are now one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We now are partners, as Paul says. We are now together in this. And that's how we will then become more and more like Christ. We will be transformed through this community. We will become who we were created to be. And yes, you can have this idea of, I'll have God to myself. And I did that for years. I was like, and people say, are you, do you go to church? Are you involved in a church? No, no, I got my thing with God. We're good. We're good. I do my prayers. And you know, it's not that once you become in community, you stop having individual time with God, but that we cannot grow in our Christ-likeness apart from this community. And so while I may have this relationship, and by the way, I didn't have a very good relationship because there's a lot I did not know by myself. And I learned it when I joined a community and I learned from you, learned from others. And as we are here today, you're already in community. You've showed up today. You're not online looking at it. You're not listening to a podcast. So you made a choice today to be in community with one another. Well done. And as we do so, we begin to act out. What does it look like to be this new community and to let Jesus transform us through it? And so this idea that we can grow and mature on our own is completely a human-made thing because that is not what Christ had in mind. This is completely our making, not his making. In fact, when, when, when Bonhoeffer talked about us believing that we can be just like us and God alone, listen to the words he says. I, I didn't put them on the screen, but listen. He says, you're not alone, even in death. And on the last day, you will not be the only member of the great congregation of Christ. If you scorn the fellowship of the brethren, you reject the call of Jesus Christ. And thus, your solitude can only be hurtful to you. In other words, if you think 
Jesus, I got my thing with you. I don't need to be with those people. I'm, I'm good, just you and I. And you, you know, you finally get to uh, heaven and you're now before God. You're going to find out all those people you didn't like are showing up too. Because you're not alone. You're never alone when you're in Christ. You are automatically connected to brothers and sisters, whether you like them or not. And God chose to do that because it is through that union, through that partnership, through that community that he chooses to make us like Christ, which is truly remarkable to me when you think about that. Because I think of my own life, my own brokenness, how can I be used to help you grow? And I think of some of you and I think, oh my goodness, you're going to help me grow. (laughs) Because you are encouraging. I have a dear friend who is so encouraged. She always says the nicest things. We went to lunch last week and the most encouraging words, she's like always so positive and so nice. And I'm watching going, I, I got to learn how to be as kind as you are and as positive as you are and, and encouraging as you are. I have another friend who, when I talk to her, she always has a way of engaging me in conversation. And before I know it, I'm telling her about everything that's going on because she has a way of asking another question and then asking another question. I don't feel interrogated. I feel so welcome and, and available to just say whatever I have to say. And I think, I have to learn how she asks questions. Sometimes I find myself doing all the talking. Anybody like me? So she's challenging me. She's growing me to becoming more and more like Christ. So in some people might challenge us to grow like Christ in not such a positive way, right? Maybe they do things that really annoy us. They might be impatient. They might may test our patience. And what do we do? We grow in patience. Because it says in Scripture, love is patient. And that's how we grow. We grow through one another. Becoming, becoming you comes through being in community. And that's not the only benefit of community. Because the other benefit of community is how we can hold each other up. There will be times in your life where you will need your Christian community in a way that you cannot rely in, on any other community to help you. I, I'll tell you an example. When my son was struggling in his teenage years and well into until he was about 23 years old, seven years, he was struggling. I was like a desperate mom, and I'm a total control freak. I thought I could fix it, and I tried to fix it, and I could not fix it until I had to give him to the Lord. And so our group prayed for him every single Wednesday. Every Wednesday when we gathered, I said, I feel like a broken record. I'm asking for the same prayer request. And they were like, that's okay. Ask for the same prayer request. And they prayed with me for that prayer, Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday. And what happened? Over time, God did a miracle on my son. I believe it was an answer to prayer, but you know, here's the thing. My time with that community, as they were willing to hear my prayers repeated and repeated and repeated, that ministered to my heart. Do you have people in your life that you can repeat yourself over and over again? And they're like, that's okay. I'm here for you. Or one time when my husband was in an ATV accident, flipped the ATV, this thing fell on top of him and broke his ribs, broke his foot, and the Christian community, especially our life group, came around us and blessed us, blessed us in a moment of need. See, when you have, when you have a, a need for a doctor, do you wait until you're sick to go get a doctor? You can, and it usually doesn't work out too well because you might end up with a doctor you don't like, right? Because usually we get a doctor because we know there's a time where we're going to need that doctor, right? So no, it's only a question of time before we're going to need to go see that doctor. 
And it's the same way with our Christian community. It's only a matter of time where you're going to need these people to come around you. And that's what Christian community does. It holds us strong when we feel weak. Our senior pastor put together a short little video of the redwoods in Northern California. These massive, amazing trees hold on for years and years, hundreds of years. And the remarkable thing is they do so by interconnecting with one another. So I want you to watch this for a second, get a sense for what our community really looks like. This is Mere Woods, and surrounding me are these giant redwood trees. They grow 250 to 300 feet high in the air, and they've been here for 600 to 800 years. And so when you first walk into the forest, you're overwhelmed, not just with the beauty of the forest, but with the reality that you're standing among trees that have been here for so long that they have been able to stand faithfully through all the seasons of life, through all the storms that have hit the Bay Area, these trees have stayed strong. And it's not because their roots grow deep. I mean, you would think that if a tree is 250 to 300 feet in the air, that surely the roots of this tree must grow very deep into the ground. I've heard Christians say this about the desire for their own life. Christians have said things like, I want to go deeper. I just want to go deeper in my understanding of God's word or deeper in my understanding of Jesus and his grace. And that is a great desire and a great thing to say. But that is not how these trees have been able to stand strong. Their roots don't grow deep at all. In fact, their roots only grow six to 13 feet deep into the ground. So how do they stand strong? Because even though their roots are shallow, they interlock with other trees' roots around them. You will never see one of these redwood trees growing alone. They only grow in groves. And though the roots are shallow, they interlock and they hold one another up and they sustain one another. And this is exactly how God's designed us to grow. Yes, He desires that we will want to grow deeper with Him, but He holds us up, He matures us, and He sustains us in community with other Christians. Amen, right? Amen. Now, I know usually this is the, the response to being called to be in community. I tried that. I tried being in community and it just didn't work out or our group kind of fell apart over time or I, it's, it's not for me. But here's what, what really Paul would say to us because he says this in his own prayer. He says, I pray this, that your love will keep on growing. You see, there's no better place for love to grow than when we're in community with other people. And not just our love, the way that we love as humans, but the way that God loves. Because the love that Paul is talking about here is love that comes in the nature, in the way of God. That community that's this diverse, that, that puts people together of different backgrounds, it's going to require more than our typical way that we love, right? We love others, and we're really okay with them as long as they're good with us, right? And the minute they sort of like get boring or talk too much, right, or talk all the time or, or do certain things, we're like, done. We want to disconnect. 
But the love that Paul is talking about, the love he wants to grow in us, is the love that is sacrificial, that is not selfish, that is not self-seeking. In fact, that's the love that Jesus demonstrated for us. In, in 1 John, you see the scripture that says, God is love, and the one who remains in love remains in God, and God remains in him. In this, love is made complete in us. We love not because we know how to love, but truly because he loved us. He loved us, broken people, disobedient people, rebellious people, right? Sinful people. He loved us first. He came towards us. When we were saying no, he came towards us. And that's the kind of love he gives us. So therefore, he calls us to love in the same way. I think one of the greatest benefits, not just to be sustained by community, but one of the greatest benefits of being in a community of other believers is that we learn how to love. We learn how to experience that kind of love, and we learn how to love others in the same way. In fact, that's what God wants to do. He wants to teach us about his love through community. One of the other quotes that Bonhoeffer said, he said this, he goes, human love makes itself an end in itself, an idol which it must worship. But spiritual love, however, comes from Jesus Christ and it serves him alone. You see, living together is more about serving Jesus, doing what he called us to do. And what did he call us to do? He told us in John 13, I give you a new command. Do this, love one another. And how? As I loved you, love in the same way. Love one another. And this is how people will know. This is how others will know that you're my disciples. It will be obvious by the way that you love one another. Nothing is more beautiful than when we see a Christian community that really lives out the love of Jesus. That's what I think the world longs for. That's what I think even sometimes the church gets criticized for because we don't live out that love. Sometimes we behave in a judgmental way, in a critical way, in a divisive way. And yet what he calls us to be is to be that love. And we don't get to choose, right? We don't get to choose how to love. We love the way that God loves, which is why I love this other quote from Bonhoeffer. He says, contrary to my own opinions and convictions, Jesus will tell me what love towards my brethren looks like. It's Jesus who will dictate how I am to love my brother and my sister. And I know that sometimes that could be hard. I was with my grandson this vacation, and he um, needed his nails filed. And so I took out my little nail file, and I start, his name is William. I start nailing his, uh, filing his nails. He's like, oh, Nana, no, no, Nana. Oh, I don't like that sound. I don't like that feeling. And he's like, I said, but William, your nails are very long. This is the only way we can get them down. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. And the whole time he's cringing. He's like, oh, you know. What's to say that person you're in your life who feels kind of like that nail file, right, in, in your life, maybe they're polishing off some edges in your heart that God wants to, like, soften up. Take out some things, perhaps, right, that have grown out of place and out of proportion. And God uses a brother and a sister to sharpen us, but also to soften us, to strengthen us, to help us grow into his likeness. I know I've experienced that in our life group. And our, we have a, a life group that now I think is four or four and a half years. And there's been so many times when all of us have been stretched 
in one way or another. And that's how we grow. So if you're not in a group, I want to encourage you to give it a try again. Now, we have lots of ways here at Mariners where we encourage you to be in group. We have Rooted, which is a great 10-week experience where you get to put together with a bunch of people. Most of them you will not know, maybe a few because you bring them. Um, but by the time that 10 weeks are over, it's amazing to me. I always watch from week one to week about three or four. At week one, no one's talking. Everyone's really quiet. By week three or four, you, like, you have a hard time getting everyone to stop talking. They just are so engaged with one another. And the whole experience then turns into a life group, a group that you can do life with. Don't worry, you don't have to do it for life, but maybe you can. Maybe these become lifelong friends that are there for you. And so we want to invite you to consider that. Now, if you've already done Rooted and you're like, I've already done that, but I'm not in a life group, we have serious groups or all kinds of different groups you can join as well. So we, because we believe you will grow into the person that God created you to be through that smaller community. As much as we grow here, if I circled you guys up, little group here, little group there, little group there, and just let you talk to one another, you're going to accomplish so much more than if we all try to have one conversation together. Don't you agree? And that's what those groups are for. And if by chance you had a not a good experience unrooted or or, you know, it doesn't happen up in it, but if it did, if you had a, a bad leader or someone in the group that just caused a problem or maybe the group didn't stick together, please try it again. Please try it again. And if, if you can't afford it, let me know. Write me an email. I'll make sure you do it again. Because if you feel like you need, you need this again, you need that start, Rooted is a great place to do so. And then if you're, oh, no, I've done that, try the life groups. But I encourage you, as Paul says, I pray, I pray that you would grow into Christ by being in partnership with one another, by being together in community. Right here in this room are a whole bunch of amazing people. I know some of you, and some of you who don't know these people, you need to know them. You, you are really an amazing group of people. And right here in this group may be the very people that can do life with you in this experience. And so I want us to like bleep, uh, uh, I'm sorry, bring some joy to God's heart by essentially doing what he calls us to be, to be a community. And so I, I did this at the last service, and man, I had a hard time after I started it. People then, that was it. I lost the room. They were having so much fun doing this. Uh, so I will get gather us back together so that we can do the response stations. Um, but I want to give you a moment to get to know your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Not just a, hi, how you doing, quick little hello, but truly, Get to know somebody in this room. Get to know a little bit about them. See what an amazing gathering of different people, different backgrounds uh, are in this room. Few examples, last service. I had one lady come up to me. She goes, oh my goodness, I've been looking for a hairstylist forever. I just met my sister here. She had this bright red hair. I thought, I'll talk to her. Turns out she's a hairstylist and she loves it. She's going to be going to this hairstylist from now on. There you go. They get to do community every time she has a haircut. Uh, another young man was looking for a place to live. He's in between apartments, and he met someone that can help him find that apartment. Another person said to me, I've been looking for someone to be in a life group. They had a spot. They're joining a life group. So I don't know what you're going to find. But I believe God has this time for us. We are early, and this is intentional in the service. Uh, so for those of you introverts, hang in there. It's not going to be that long. But would you stand? 
And let me invite you to walk around the room. This is a small place. Go meet someone, chat for a while, and then I will have to yell at you to stop. But just listen for that. Just go talk. Go talk to somebody and say hello. If I can get your attention, I love this. You're totally ignoring me. This is good. <laughs> awesome. I want you to know it gives me great joy as I watch you talking with one another. I mean, how often do we fill the house of God with community like this, right? It's like to fill the space with just people being, being together, caring for one another, hearing about each other. I hope next week when you come back, now that you've got some new peeps, you'll make a point of meeting some no, new ones and building stronger relationships. You will need these people. There will be a time where you will need them. And I want to encourage you, you may have a seat for a second. We may have encourage you uh, to do so. Now today, as we respond, every week here at the chapel, we, we take a time to have a conversation with God. And because we're in the spirit of being in community, I wanted to do something different. I wanted us to have that response be a blessing to God. Are you in for blessing God today? Okay. I want us to bless God and just as Jesus said, love one another, by this the world will know. So while we are doing the stations, normally this is our time when we have a conversation with God. We go to these various stations, a form of liturgy, a, a way of, of living out physically what God has said to us during the service. And it's just very vertical, it's us and God. But today we're going to be very horizontal. We're going to do it together. We're going to be chatty while we're doing it. I want you to continue conversations. You met someone, but maybe now you'll meet a different person as you walk around the room. The worship team is going to have a hard time singing over you, but they're going to try. And you can go to the confessional cross and confess your sins. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Light a candle for hope. Come to the table of communion, a remembrance of the love that Jesus did for us, gave for us. Our elder will be right here, Alex the prayer team around the room, and the offering boxes in the back. So let's fill this place with conversation, with mutual Christian love, listening to one another, chatting with one another, showing God we are practicing how to do life together with a fellow believer, okay? And then we will, out, at some point, Jared will get us back together so that we can sing a wonderful song to be together, like sing to God, one voice, together, and thank Him for what He has done for us. So would you stand and go meet someone new and praise the Lord as you do. Beautiful, beautiful to see you not only singing together vertically to the Lord, but then loving on one another as community. If you're interested in joining a, a life group or rooted group, there was a card in your bulletin that you can fill out and put in any of the offering boxes, and we'll get back to you. But as you leave, um, I want to pray for you over um, the words of Paul at the end of the letter to the church in Philippi. And these are his words. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Greet those who are fellow believers, right? Greet them, connect with them, be with them. 
Now put out your hands to receive his benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Heavenly Father, would you pour upon us your grace, your patience, your perfect love, your smile upon us, Father, your blessing. And may it fill us to such a measure that as we walk out of these doors and interact with others, may it spill over onto them. May it bless any person we speak to. And Father, would you bring us into community, tight community with one another, that we might glorify your name. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go in God's grace. We'll see you next week. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again.